morning. Well, my name is Kisa Mtabazi, and I'm originally from Uganda. My dad is from Uganda, and my mom is from Rwanda, but born and raised in Uganda. So I want to warn you, I speak seven languages, so English is my fourth language. So that means I have to think in the other languages in order to find the appropriate word to say. So in case I'm rude today, you can throw your iPhone at me, and I promise I'll take you to Africa sometime. <laughs> But it's truly a joy to be with you today. We're grateful for your pastor for allowing me to be here on behalf of World Vision. That you could give us an opportunity to tell a little story of kids in Ecuador today. As you get to hear my story, I want you to think and go with me to kids in Ecuador that have been wanting to hear from you for so long. Well, I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. So United States is my home. I was schooled here, I work here, and actually just became a US citizen about two years ago. So finally, so finally I can vote. The one thing I could not do, so finally I can obviously uh, vote. So it's been a joy to be part of, my, uh, of your country and be part of my home as well. As you get to see, you get to know a little bit of the kindness of a stranger you're about to do for kids in Ecuador. Well, I work for World Vision, as you know. They've been here for more than 70 years. They work in more than 100 countries, advocating for children and helping their lives to make sure that kids grow up to be mature adults, that they can survive the hardship that they go through every day. And that's why, and that's what I do every Sunday all over the United States. Well, when I came to the United States, I struggled with two things. Two things that I did not know or I did not have an idea that I could ever see. One was food. As you get to hear my story, there was no food growing up. The most kids would lose their lives for a lack of beans. And so when I came to the United States, I would notice like food would be thrown away, you know? And then I would really begin to ask myself, God, do you love us the same way? that you love, that others could have so much to throw away, but others could die for lack of just a bowl of beans. And then the other part was, I would visit families, and I'll find they have extra bedrooms that were empty. And I'm like, why are they empty? Well, here's why. The average house in my village is, is as big as your car garage, and usually you'll have between six to 15 members of the family that live in that space. And I always wondered, why do you have so many empty bedrooms? But also, I struggled with my faith as well. That God, you love us the same way every day. But also, I looked at my own self and I said, God, you love me so much. You could give me an opportunity to come and live and work here in the United States. There are millions of kids in Uganda that could not make it here, but you chose me in some way to be here. And so for me, this led me to Luke 12, 48. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. And I knew that I had been given so much. As you get to see my story and hear my little journey as a kid and how I got here, I knew I had been given so much. So I did not want to point a finger, but I decided that I would do what I can do to live a life of Luke 12, 48, that he's been given so much that I can do something for others. So this is what I did. So I walked in the post care system. I said, I would like to do something. I would like to mentor teenagers. Why did I want to mentor? 
because I'm single, I'm not married, so I knew they would never allow me to be a foster dad. So I said, at least I can mentor kids. So I walked in and I said, hey, anywhere I could sign to be a mentor. And the social worker said, have you ever thought of being a foster dad? And I said, I don't think I qualify, I'm single. She said, what do you mean? She said, you can be a foster dad. Well, day I said, could you give me the paperwork to sign to make sure that I can be a foster dad? Well, three, four, five years later, I have had 24 kids in my home. And today, I would like to share with you a few that I have currently. So you can see my little crazy life as a foster dad. So picture one. If we go to my pictures, there's my four kids. And after having kids, I thought, maybe I can add two dogs. So we have Rafiki and Simba, uh, lovely kids. Next picture. That's my six-year-old. He's, he's little, and every time I take him to bed, he always says, Dad, I'm glad you get to take me to bed. And most of what he's saying, I am glad I didn't have someone before to take me to bed, that you can take me to bed. Next picture. I've always had boys, but finally I got a girl. And I thought I was the boss of the house. As soon as she walked in, I lost it all. <laughs> as you can tell, she paints my nails sometimes four times a day. I have no hair, but somehow she finds my curly blonde hair to make up with. And she's taught me how to be patient, how to listen, and how to not always have a solution. And every time I pick her from school, she always says, Dad, I'm glad you came to pick me up. What she's saying, many times, I didn't know someone would come and get me. Next picture. He's my 17-year-old. He just turned 18 as well. 12 months ago, I got a phone call from a social worker. I said, hey, would you take in this 16-year-old? He's about to age out so we can help him age out. I said, sure. But I thought they had asked me 12 days. I found out it's just 12 months. So I said, I absolutely, I would take him in. He came and lived with us. Six weeks, so four weeks into our home, he says, Peter, I would like to talk to you. When I first he says, Peter, it's serious, I want to talk to you, always wonder, why did he do this time? And this is what he said. He said, I have been in 12 homes, and nobody wanted me. Everyone told me. Every time they promised me to be, they let me go the next year. Is there a way you could consider to adopt me as your son? And so... It's my 17-year-old that we're going through the adoption so he can be my fully little boy that I love. Next picture. This one. One thing I was told as a foster dad, to be a dad, but they never taught me how to say goodbye. So I had number 10 and number 12. They had left on Monday, and I told the social worker, I cannot do this. I need space. I need at least three months. Well, on Friday, she calls me and says, there's a kid at the hospital. And I said, it's not three months yet. It's just four days. She said, this little boy is at the hospital, and he needs just a weekend, just a weekend. I said, okay, I'll take him in. Do not tell me why he's there, and I don't want to be attached at all. And you come and pick him up on Monday. So he came at three in the morning, and I gave him a home, and I said, you can call me Mr. Peter. This is my African name is Long. And he looked in my eyes. He says, but can I call you my dad? Well, I didn't say, ooh. I said, oh, no. <laughs> I used the bad word. Said, no. But he insisted. Again, he said, since I'm 11, I was told I can choose who my father should be. 
I still said, you're leaving on Monday. There's no need to call me dad. So finally, they came to become, pick him up on Monday. So finally, I had the guts to ask, why was he in the first case? Why was he left at the hospital? This is what I was told. At one and a half, he came to the first care system. He was placed with a family that adopted him at four. And the same family dropped him at the hospital. And they never told him why they didn't want him anymore. Never said goodbye. Never gave him any one reason. And I sat there and I thought, how? How? And I looked at the social worker and I said, I think he already knows I'm his dad. Just give me his paperwork. <laughs> so two years ago, he's finally my son, Anthony Mutabazi. I adopted him and I love him to death. Most people ask me, you know, you're lucky to have these kids. But most of them I say, no, they chose me. I am the lucky dad to be their dad. And as you listen to my story, I want you to think about the kids in Ecuador. That what someone did for me many, many years ago, the kids in Ecuador are waiting for someone to do that for them. As you see, I've had 24 kids. And you may wonder, how do you do it? I want to show you the last picture. The last picture happened a few weeks ago. I got these little ones from the police. Sleep is overrated. <laughs> when you have toddlers, one and a half and two and a half. And it's truly been a joy. But I want to show you how a kindness of one stranger can change someone's life. Not only did it change my life, but has changed the nature and the lives of the kids that I have, that I don't think I would have been a dad had someone not stepped in and changed my life. And that's what I'm here for you today. As I tell you my story, to go with me to Ecuador. I grew up in a home where life was miserable in every shape, form you could think of. I grew up in a home where life was absolutely never told that there was hope for me. I grew up in a place where no one said, hey, there's a future for you. I grew up in a place where I had to fetch water three to four miles a day, just so like kids today in Ecuador went to get water. I grew up in a place where I had one pair of clothes from Monday to Saturday, and one pair of clothes for Sunday, just like kids in Ecuador today. I never had a pair of shoes until when I was 16, just like many kids in Ecuador today. I never seen a toy because I never had an opportunity to be a kid. At four, I would fetch water. At five, I would take care of my little siblings and go to the garden and do whatever I needed to do to help the family, just like kids in Ecuador today. My parents could not afford $5 to take me to school. $5. Could not afford it, could not find it. We could not find a meal for a day. I grew up in a place where I had one meal every other day. And the meal was beans, because we could not have beans and potatoes. Because we would sell potatoes for another day. I grew up in a place where I had chicken on Christmas and beef on Easter. Those are only two days in the entire year that I had a different meal. So I grew up knowing that Christmas was about chicken as a kid, because it was the only time. And I grew up in a Roman Catholic family. At the end of Lent, we would have beef. Those are only two days. So are so many kids in Ecuador that went to bed tonight with no meal. And at age of four, I began to realize not only were poor, but I had the most abusive dad. So you have poverty on one side, and you had a mean, abusive dad on the other side. Tell me, how do they tell you to dream? Even if they did, 
Today's day was worse than what was coming the next day that I didn't want to see the next day. At the age of 10, I thought, I cannot let my dad take my own life. I'm going to choose to let someone else do. I'd never been 20 miles away from my village, and I walked to the bus station, and I asked the lady, which bus goes the farthest? And she pointed at the bus, and I got on the bus, and I ran away. Why did I ask for a farther way? Because I knew if my dad found me, he would kill me. And I ended up in Kampala, where I had one, op one option. That option was to be a street kid. So I became a street kid from the age of 10 to 15. As street kids in Uganda, we don't beg for money because most people don't make a dollar a day during my time. They made so little, but would work so hard so we can help, but also was the easiest way to steal while we are helping. If I carry a bunch of banana, I take one, I help you, you help myself. And that was my life. And one day I saw one farmer, one man, and that was my target. I'm going to get food from this guy. But before I could take food from him, he said, what's your name? And that rattled me. What is my name? I had lived on the streets for four and a half years, and no human being had ever asked me what my name was. I was a garbage boy. I was a stupid boy. I was a kid who never amount to anything. That's what I had every day. But he asked to know my name. And the reason why this is emotional, in a good way, is you've chosen to know the kids and families in Ecuador today. Like that man wanted to know my name. And he gave me something to eat, and he left. I saw him again the next week. He did the same. He called by my name and gave me something to eat and left. The fourth, third time, I knew what car he drives when he comes to the city, what he buys. And I was assured there would be a meal for me that I did not have to steal or struggle because this stranger would give me a meal like I'm about to do for kids in Ecuador. He fed me for one year and a half, and one day he said, Peter, if you have an opportunity to go to school, would you love to go to school? Think about it. When you're a street kid, you're garbage, you never amount to anything. You smell like one. I scavenge in the garbage just like any other animal. Most time we had to fight before we could get there. When you live that life, you never know you're human like the rest of the world. For someone to offer me to go to school is like me asking you guys, anyone want to go to the moon soon? Yeah, you're laughing because it's far-fetched. It's not something you go to bed thinking. And that was me. School was for humans that were able, that had a potential to be who they can be. Me, I was garbage. And I can assure you, some kids in Ecuador today feel the same way. And finally, he insisted I should go to school on two options. I was born in school, and he said there would be food every day. I didn't hear about school. I had about food. And so I went. And I stayed in school because I waited for the next meal, the next meal. And then I found out, like, oh, I can go to school in order to keep eating this food. But also as he drove me, I asked him, why me? More than 2,000 kids on the streets of Kampala. Why me? And he said, I just want to be faithful. That's all I want to be. But I didn't understand what that meant. I did not understand. When I said, yes, I want to go to school, it's not because I wanted to be smart. It's not like there was a future for me. For me, all I had there was food. But also, for the very first time in my life, someone saw me as a human 
being that had a potential that he wanted to invest in to change life. And that's how he changed my life. And that's what you're about to do for kids in Ecuador. Because you are faithful. This man, that's all he said. I just want to be faithful. But because he was faithful, this is what happened to me and my family. I was able to go to school and stay in school because that food kept coming and I kept waiting. And then I found I was smart. Not only did I finish high school, but I went to university in Uganda and I went to university in England. And that's how I came to the United States on a scholarship from the kindness of one strange family. Because he was faithful, my family became believers as well. Not because we went back and taught them the gospel, no. I think for my mom, it was more like, how can a stranger love my child as they are? I was like, why would they do that? And knowing that this man loved the Lord, she said, I want to know that God. I want to know that God. And that's what you're about to do for kids in Ecuador. But sometimes someone's going to sit down and say, why would a small church in in California, I want to love my child. Why? Because he was faithful. I got to learn how to forgive my dad. For me, I thought the Bible was unfair. The Lord's Prayer says, forgive even those who've wronged you. To me, I was like, okay, there are some people we should forgive, but there are those we should not. And that includes my father over here. I was older. I wanted to go back home and punish him. Seriously, I wanted to go home and break his leg and I say, you know, I paid you back. But I knew that that wasn't the case because my sponsor, the family that took me in, taught me the life of Joseph. They said, remember when his brothers found him and they were afraid that he's going to kill them? What he said, for what you meant for evil, God has used it for good to save lives. That I wanted that because he was faithful. I'm able to be a foster dad. I'm a foster dad, not because I can do it. Yes, I can, I'm doing it for sure. He taught me what our father ought to be. He taught me how to love unconditionally. He taught me how to see the best in others sometimes when they don't see that in themselves. Think about it. As a street kid, I didn't know what morals were, but yet he saw the best in me and changed my life. So for me, being a foster dad is the greatest thing that he saw me to be to love unconditionally, to love their parents, to not blame them, to love my kids, even when it gets messy and hard, because he loved me first. He showed me that. So you see why, for me, Luke 12, 48 is important to me. From everyone has been given much, much will be demanded. And from who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. I have been given so much haven't we haven't we been given so much so for me that's why i live and breathe to advocate for kids all over the world with wild vision as they change and give sanitation and give water that my little siblings or my little nieces and nephews don't have to walk the miles that i had to walk the worst nightmare for my mom was will we come back once we went to get fetch water that four miles away, that would take four hours one way and four hours back as kids. For Wild Vision is saying, we want to provide water in small neighborhood like Ecuador so that moms don't have to worry. But also they get to have clean water. 
And that's what he did for me. We sponsored two kids, especially my son, Anthony. He was a little boy who's an orphan as well. And I love every time he gets his letter, he says, Dad, I love his passion. I love that I get to write him. And usually as I sit and listen to him and I see a street boy in Uganda that has a little boy who's Anthony adopted as my son that could change the cycle of his life and now looking to change the life of another kid to see how God is using each one of us in our circle to truly change the life. With $39 that he gives every month after his chores, he's able to help this little boy. And for me, that's why I'm here to share with you, to remind you, would you walk like me and Anthony are helping kids? Would you journey with us to help kids in Ecuador? I've been in Ecuador about five times. Most amazing place, hilly, to see how far they have to walk up from up there to go down the valley to get water on their heads and on their back that we could change their lives, that we could give dignity to the kids that need it the most, that we would take away the worry of the mom and the grandpa that are not sure if their kids will come back, that they will come back because they have clean water and a safe place to be. I love what Wild Vision is doing now. Before, you've been at sponsorship places. You get to say, hey, can you sponsor kids? You go out in the lobby and you get to choose who you want to. Choose. You want to sponsor. Well, Wild Vision has changed that. They have thought through, what if we give the dignity to the child to be the one to choose you? What, what if we give the child the opportunity for the first time, they've never been able to choose anything. I never had an opportunity to choose one thing in my life. But that man gave me two options, boarding school or church. And I chose both. And so for World Vision is saying too, what if we gave the opportunity to the child to be the one to choose you? So watch this video. this video about a million times, but every time I cry, I don't know why. There's a reason why, because every Monday as I waited for that man to come, I didn't sleep because I was waiting for that day where someone gets called my name, but gets to give me food without having to fight for it. For kids in Ecuador this week, that's what they're going to do. They knew you'd be sponsoring them. They knew they're going to choose you, so they have known for months. And so here's what they're going to do. On Wednesday, they're going to receive your pictures. And then 
They're going to have a party. The party is about your church. Usually we take your pastor to be there, but due to COVID, the pastor and the community are going to have a party. And then they're going to choose who they want to be their sponsor. They're going to go in that room, as you saw in the video, and choose who they want to be their sponsor. And that's why we're here today. Today we're here so you can be chosen. Isn't that neat? So you can give the opportunity to be the one to choose, which is the other way around. That you give them dignity, that give them opportunity to say, I have the dignity to choose. And so we'll be taking pictures, we have cameras, and then we will send those pictures to Ecuador tomorrow morning. So they are able to print them out, and then they get choose on Wednesday. And guess what? On Sunday when you come back, you get to know who chose you and why they chose you. Isn't that neat? Absolutely. Neat. Come on, Pastor. So when uh, Pastor Betsy and um, our missions team um, approached, uh, approached me about um, participating in World Vision Chosen, I immediately thought of our mission statement as a church, that we are a worshiping community inviting everyone to join in the journey of becoming fully devoted followers of Christ, loving God, and loving His world. And I thought, here's an opportunity for us to love His world an opportunity for us to zero in on one particular community, um, Baba Ecuador, and to manifest the love that we have for Jesus to that particular community. So this last week, um, I was able to meet the, um, the team from World Vision that meets in Baba Ecuador um, over a Zoom call, and we, I was able to um, hear about what they're doing, um, and they're just doing an amazing work there. They've been there for um, a, a number of years already and uh, ready to move into breaking some new ground. So Cindy and I are committed to, to participating in Chosen, and uh, we've invited him or invited World Vision this Sunday to participate as well, to just embody that little part of our mission statement as a congregation. And so um, I hope you'll consider participating. Um, I hope you'll, I know some of you already sponsor children. I hope you'll consider um, participating in this as well. And now I'm going to turn it back over to, uh, to Peter. So here's how it's going to go. It's due to technology, it makes it really easy. You all received this. Did you receive this? If you didn't, they're outside there. Basically, is you text a number. You, if you have your phone, you can pick it up now. You text this number, 5617. And in a text where you always say, hello, mom, hello, dad. This time you say hello to the name of your church. And then you put the name on the church, and you're going to receive a link. And that link, you're going to put in your names. And I sponsor 12 kids. You can choose however many you want to choose you you will have a QR code that you bring up at the pictures, and we take your pictures, and we send it to Ecuador tonight by nine. The deadline is nine tonight, because we want them to have them as soon as possible. It's actually 6 p.m. I'm from the East Coast, so you know, <laughs> time changes. 6 p.m. here, while for us it's 9 p.m. on the other side. That you come and take pictures. Don't worry, if you can't figure that out, we have People in orange with chosen t-shirt, they'll help you to figure that out. So on behalf of the kids in Ecuador, we want to say thank you, Pastor, and thank you, Church, for letting us choose you uh, this Wednesday. Yep. Thank you, Peter.